We're in our last week of the Game On series, and what we've been talking about is the fact that life is happening, whether you like it or not, and you're involved in life, whether you like it or not, and uh, a lot of times things happen in a way that you can't control, and yet there are parts of it that you can control, namely yourself, and so we've been talking about what does it look like to be an effective disciple? And we've gone through worship and prayer and the word and uh, gathering together as the church and all these different things. And uh, this morning we're going to talk about one other thing that will probably make you a little uncomfortable. When I was uh, uh, pretty new out of college, um, we, Lisa and I got married right after college and uh, we had this friend, his name was Dennis Tuma. And he, two things about Dennis Tuma. One, he was very, very smart. He read a lot of books. And he would challenge you to live out your faith in a way that was real and authentic and kind of push the boundaries a little bit. The other thing about Dennis Tuma was his last name was Tuma. And so every time I saw him, I'd go, it's not a Tuma. And um, <clears throat> it went over really bad first service, by the way. So... Thanks for whatever that was. Anyway, so, um, so that was the cool thing about Dennis. But he would challenge and challenge and challenge. And he'd come up with these ideas. And you'd think, man, this guy's like totally on fire. And he was, uh, worked for Campus Crusade for Christ at USC. And he, just, he was just a great guy. And one of the things he challenged us to do uh, was to share our faith. And he said, by the time you get here next week... I want you to have shared your faith with somebody else. And so that kind of scared me. But I was like, I'm still going to do it because he told me to. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so I I chose my boss. Um, You might want to write this down. Don't try to lead your boss to the Lord. No, no, I'm kidding. Uh, We went out to lunch. And I started talking to him about Jesus and about my life with Jesus. And... uh, It was just super awkward, and by the time I got done, it it felt like I was trying to sell him on a timeshare, and and so when we got to the end, I was like, hey, so, you know, you you interested? (laughs) Like, anyway, uh, and he's like, no, and I'm like, neither am I. (laughs) Like, it's like... (laughs) Like, I talked myself out of being a Christian in the the whole, whole thing. And uh, I just remember sitting there going, what am I doing? Like, you know, if Dennis told me to jump off a bridge, you know, that whole conversation. And <clears throat> but the thing I realized was I didn't really have anything compelling to offer. Now, if you fast forward a few more years, God had begun to do a very transforming and deep work in both Lisa and I. And uh, we began to see God in new ways, and we began to see opportunities of kingdom ministry in, in, in new ways. And God was still stirring that calling to full-time ministry that we had. Uh, even very early, God was moving in, in, in that direction, and uh, words were being given to us about, um, you know, about being called to full-time ministry and all this kind of stuff, which... Hey, it worked. Uh, but, and so God began to do this. And so we began to have this Bible study on our street. And one of the things Dennis told us way back in the day was, it's really amazing when someone comes to Christ in your living room. And I never had forgotten that. And 
And so we had this small group, and we get to the end of our first week. We had invited neighbors, and like I said, God had just given the spirit of boldness, and he was doing these miracles, and it was just a really awesome time. And so um, at the end of the Bible study, I, I just began to share the salvation message about Jesus and dying on the cross and being buried and raised from the dead, and that resurrection power is available to anyone who asks uh, can be forgiven of their sins and can begin this walk with God, this journey. And uh, I kind of had my, I, I kind of wanted this one guy to come to Christ. <laughs> um, and, and this guy, Sean, raised his hand. He's a highway patrol officer that lived down in the cul-de-sac, which it's good to have one of those on your side. Um, and, and we prayed for him right there and he came to Christ in our living room. And Dennis was right. It was fantastic. And I often look back at those two different things. And, and I try to think, what was the difference? It's not just that one person didn't come to Christ and one did. Because quite frankly, I've shared the gospel really poorly before and people have come to Christ. And I've shared the gospel really well and people have been like, eh, whatever. And, and so it, it, it wasn't just me. But still deep within me, there was something, there's something different. And so as I began to work on this, uh, this particular message... Um, I was reminded about what it is, and I'll I'll share it at the very end. Um, But for those of you who are maybe new to the faith, or maybe you're here because someone dragged you, and in the back of your mind, you're kind of thinking, can't you just leave me alone? Like, can't you just have your faith, and and I'll have my faith, and it'll be different? And I, I guess you'd put it this way. Can't you just keep it to yourself, kind of? And, and that makes sense. And, and also, you, you might be talking about the idea like, and the other thing that bothers me is that there's only one way, like just by Jesus, like there's only one way. And that, that kind of bothers you. And what I hope for you, if that's you or you know someone really close to you and you've always wanted to have the answer to that question, I think we're going to answer that question this morning as well. Uh, But when we talk about evangelism, uh, some Christians get a little nervous, little butterflies in the stomach because it it feels like you're selling something and some of us aren't really good at sales and don't want to be a part of sales. And so evangelism kind of feels like that. And I'm hoping at the end this week, it won't, uh, this morning, it won't feel like that at all. But I was looking up some different types of evangelism because it used to be you'd have a track. And the track had uh, pictures of hell, and it was really scary. And someone would get into a car accident, and they'd end up in hell. And then at the back of the track, it was like, you know, get to the how not to end up in hell part. And then you'd pray a prayer and all that. But we've kind of changed in our our postmodern society. We don't, information like that isn't, doesn't seem to be so effective. And so we have these different types of evangelisms. Like there's this training you can do, personality-based evangelism. Now, for some of you, don't, don't do, no, I'm kidding around. Okay, uh, uh, 
personality-based uh, evangelistic worship. This is what David does. He'll go around and he'll play music and, and people will come to Christ. And for some of you, you shouldn't do that either. Uh, friendship evangelism, you just become friends. This is fun theology on tap where you just go into a bar, knock a couple back and talk about Jesus, I guess. I don't know. Um, but uh, everyday evangelism and dietary evangelism, which is, hey, you can lose 25 pounds. I don't know what that is. And then this is my favorite, napkin evangelism. Like, really? You're like, hey, want a napkin? Oh, go ahead and read it. It's about your salvation. You know, put it on. I don't know. I I don't know. Um, There's, you know... Tim Tebow kind of evangelism, put, put Bible verses on your face, and uh, there's this kid. Uh, I just love the picture, so there's that kind of evangelism. But I think for all of us, we want to avoid this. Like when we think about sharing our faith, this is what we want to run from. I don't want to be bullhorn guy. I don't want to have a sandwich board and stand on the street corner and be kind of freakish about my faith. Here's the thing. You think I'm going to mock this guy, but I'm not. Because what happens is, in order to avoid bullhorn guy, we go and become nothing guy. We become I don't want to be, which is always unhealthy in any of your relationships and how you do life. Living life as I don't want to be is very unhealthy, and it's unhealthy in our spiritual life too. Could it be that there's a way to effectively share the gospel where we're not bullhorn guy and we're not nothing guy? Something that happens that's more natural than that. And so what I want to first share is the heart of your heavenly father, and, and kind of why we would share our faith in the first place. And then I want to introduce you to a story of where somebody does this and they give us some really key things is to kind of navigate through that. But the first thing is to kind of see the heart of God um, in this verse here. The, what's happening is Peter... Um, you guys know Peter. He, he was the one that denied Jesus three times. Well, he went on to have a pretty good ministry and write some letters. And he wrote this letter to a people that were being persecuted. And like you or I, they were kind of thinking, hey, it would be nice if Jesus came now, <laughs> you know, rather than being persecuted. Some, sometimes we have this happen in our health where our health starts to decline and we think, you know, being with Jesus might not be that bad a thing or you know, your business declines or you lose your job or whatever, but this is what was happening. And so they're asking Peter, why, why, why isn't Jesus coming back? And so he gives this, the Lord's not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. In other words, he's not like looking at his watch going, oh, I'll be 15 you know, millennial late or whatever. He's just, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. but everyone to come to repentance. This is the heart of our Heavenly Father. When we come and we get up in the morning and we get ready and we get here as an act of worship, this is the God we worship. This God wishes that none perish, but that all come to repentance. And if you wonder why sometimes Christians feel compelled to share their faith, they're tapping into the heart of God. 
And the other thing they're tapping into is that in order to start a relationship with God, it's not intuitive. What would be intuitive would be be good enough, then God will say excellent and you'll make it to heaven. What is not intuitive is that there is a name by which we enter this relationship. And the name is Jesus. And he's rooted in history. And so for a Christian to talk to you or for us as Christians to talk to people, we are trying to inform them of the way to begin a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now, we look and we go, why? And this is the question we'll ask sometimes. Why, why through Jesus? Why make it so narrow? Why make it one name, one person, God's son? Why, why not make it wider? Why not make it easier? Why not make it more intuitive so that if you're sitting under a tree and an apple hits you on the head, you're just like, wow, you know what? I'll bet there's a God and I'll bet I'm not good enough for him. And so I'm going to try, you know what? Like, why isn't that? Well, the Bible talks about this. And the Bible tells us it is weird. The Bible says it's foolishness. Like the, 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 the message of the cross is kind of foolish to those who don't understand it. But to those who've been saved by it, it's the power of God. And so for a lot of Christians, there's this sense of you wouldn't know unless I told you. And this is one of the reasons why the Bible, why Christians will tell you about their faith. is because they feel compelled. They, they kind of connect with the heart of God that God wants to have a relationship with everybody. And it's through Jesus, which the Bible even admits is kind of foolish. But it, it, this is the way. This is the only way. And, you know, I was thinking about this because I, I get to think about this stuff all week uh, while I'm working on the message. And I thought, you know, this is how it is with every relationship in authority. Like, isn't it true that oftentimes, like when you became the manager of something and when you started managing people, you would give directives to those people and they're like, why are we doing that? And you're like, if you could see it the way I see it, you'd understand, but I just don't have time to explain it to you. Anyone with kids... What is this, a daily thing that we go through with our kids? Like, look, I know for you, you don't understand it, and it seems narrow-minded, and it seems weird, but I'm telling you from where I am, this is a really good decision, and your decisions are really bad. Now think of where God is, where we go, why is it Jesus? And he's like, if you could see from my perspective, this is the best way to enter into a relationship with me. So... That's the heart of God. Hopefully, it, I've helped a little bit in understanding uh, what's going on. So how do, we, how do we share our faith in a way that is precise, where, we, where we're able to speak the truth, but we're not bullhorn guy where we're just blowing people away? And uh, what I wanted to look at to give us some clues into that is a story about Peter in Acts. Jesus had died he was buried and he raised from the dead. Now, when you see something like that happen, it kind of affects you. You change. And that's what happened to Peter. Peter was full on from that point going, this is the deal. And yet, he's still Jewish. And so it's like, how do you, 
How do you be Jewish and be a Christian at the same time? And they were all worrying about that. And matter of fact, the church very early on had to, ha- had to settle this argument. You know, of like, what? man, can Jews be Christians and can Gentiles be, you know, it's kind of how does it all work? Well, Paul, Peter went to the temple as he would every week. And there was this lame guy there. Not lame like he was a Raider fan, but like lame <laughs> where, uh, you know, he was actually lame. His leg was lame. And, uh, okay, um, stop. Okay, so uh, for 40 years, they'd bring him and they'd carry him into the temple. <laughs> Sorry, that was just really funny. Uh, they'd carry him into the temple so that he could beg, and that's how he made his money. And so Peter shows up one time and he says, I don't have any silver. Just catch this. This is really important. I don't have any silver. And I don't have any gold, but I have one thing, and that's the name of Jesus that I can offer you. Now, in that particular case, the guy was healed right on the spot. As a matter of fact, Peter takes it like to another level because not only does he say, get up and walk, he grabs him by the arm and yanks him up. And the Bible says that when he gets, got up, his ankles and everything were strengthened. So, I mean, can you imagine the scene? Peter just goes, it's in the name of Jesus. And he grabs and pulls up. And the guy's like, for the first time in his life. You know, the Bible says in that story that he was lame from his mother's womb. Never understood. And by the name of Jesus, he's healed. Man, that's a powerful name. (laughs) And so Peter takes the opportunity to begin preaching like, Anyone who's a preacher does. Um, We take our opportunities and we begin boring people. And so he starts talking to the people in the temple and he starts telling them, Hey, don't look at me. It's Jesus. And then he goes in, whom you crucified, which I probably would have left out, but I'm not as, whatever. So he's going after him. And and the officials of the temple come, come by and they arrest Peter and John. They put him into prison. And so they're there overnight, and then they pull him out, and they start, you know, you know, got the spotlight on him, you know, and they ask, you know, whose name do you do all this in? Which I always think is kind of weird. Like, why would you even ask that? Like, why would that be your thing? Because there's something about the name of Jesus that was just under their skin. And as you begin to look at how people are responding to the name of Jesus, our eyes kind of get a little bit open that that maybe our Heavenly Father is right. Maybe there is something about this narrow way. And so they ask him and they go, Hey, so what name uh, did you do this in? And he said, If you're wondering how we healed this guy who was standing with them, He said, it's not the name of Jesus that we did that. And then he goes on and he says this. He is the stone you builders rejected. And now it's become the most important stone there is. That's the name of Jesus. He is the one. So he goes on and he makes this incredible statement. And this is why it's important that we begin to look at our lives and go, should I be saying something about Jesus? He says, salvation is found in no one else. 
It doesn't come from being good. It doesn't come from, you know, kind of an idea. It doesn't come from going to church. It doesn't come from being a part of Christians. Salvation comes from no one else but the name of Jesus. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And so you can kind of see Peter's beginning to build this case. Like, listen, if this is it, if God's heart is that no one perishes, that all come to salvation, which he wrote many years later. This is the birthplace of what he's writing. If that's the case that God cares and the only way is Jesus, then how in the world is anyone going to intuitively know how to begin a relationship with their heavenly father unless we speak the name of Jesus that has the power to rescue that lame person, has the power to break chains. Even as I look around this room, I know the stories of the power of Jesus' name that came and rescued you and redeemed you. As Kelly talked from her own past and was able to share so eloquently about her testimony, about what life was like without Christ and then how Christ came and redeemed and rescued and ransomed and fulfilled. His at the name of Jesus. And so watch what happens. So they see the courage of Peter and John and they realize they're just dudes. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, they were unschooled. In order. Yeah, they were just dudes. Unschooled, ordinary men. Just like you and me. You know, and, or women if they were women. But they weren't. I don't know. Um, listen to this. They were astonished. You know Why? Because they'd been with Jesus. They'd spent time with Jesus. Their lives were transformed by Jesus. God, through Christ, began to mold in them. And and they knew what it was like to be forgiven. Peter three times denied Christ and three times was restored by Jesus. They saw the miracles. They, They saw his heart of compassion. They saw him weep over cities. They were changed by Jesus. And these people recognized that. They said, man, this, they've been with Jesus. They don't have an education, and they're just normal dudes, but they've been with Jesus. Now watch what they say to them, because I want you to get this. If you want to stop the kingdom of God from growing... Caiaphas, the high priest, and Annas, the high priest, who were with there, the ones that were that was sent. Um, Annas was Caiaphas's father-in-law, and so when Jesus was tried, they first went to Annas, and then he had him bound and sent to Caiaphas. These were two high-ranking high priests who ended up having Jesus killed, and they're standing in front of them, and they come up with an idea of how to stop the gospel. From going forth. And if you want to know how to stop Christianity, if you could, in your tracks or in your life, you just want to stop the gospel. I someone shared the gospel with me, but I'm not sharing it with anyone else. Here's how you do it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further, this is them talking among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. You know it's incredible? They wouldn't even say it. They wouldn't even say Jesus. They just said this name. In order to stop this thing from spreading, we've got to stop saying Jesus. 
that's the solution they come up with. What's amazing is that it's still the solution. We just stop saying the name of Jesus. Now, I know that's not what you guys want to do, so I will go on and continue. All right, so they call him in again, and here's what they say. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. This, you, can, you can teach about God. You can talk about the Bible. You can go to the temple. You can pray for people. But don't be mentioned in Jesus' name. We're not going to use that anymore. And so Peter um, begins to speak out. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. This is kind of one of those typical, well, what would you do if God told you to do something? Would you stop? It's a pretty good argument. But see where Peter and John are coming from? This is the heart of our Heavenly Father to share the gospel with people who don't know it. And, and so they're saying, well, what, what are we supposed to do? Listen to you? Because you're uncomfortable about Jesus? We can't do that. And then they say something that I think is going to help all of us this week as we go out and share the gospel. You're like, wait, what? No, just listen. Because this is really what it comes down to. And I think this was the difference between when I shared the gospel with my boss and it felt like I wanted to give up the faith. (laughs) And when I shared the gospel with Sean, he says this, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. He's essentially saying we're ruined. We've seen too much. You know, you ever watch a movie where they're like, they've seen too much. We've got to take them out or whatever. We'll rub them out. Uh, Anyway, right? We've seen too much. What we've seen and what we've heard. We can't, how are we supposed to just stop talking about what we've seen and heard? How am I supposed to stop talking about what God has done in my life that I've seen him faithful over and over and over and over again? And every time I take a risk and I try to do something a little bit more to stretch my faith, he comes through. Every time I work on some part of my life and I, I finally, you know, ah, I, you know, I fall exhausted. Like, hey, I think I've finally got this thing mastered. He's like, next issue. And you're like, no, you know, and you're on to the next thing. Yo, here's your problem now. Let's come on. Let's do that. Every time he pushes me, every time, every time I humble myself before him, something happens. How, how do we stop talking about what we've seen and what we've heard? We, we can't. And and for anyone here who's saying, well, why do you keep talking about Jesus? We can't help it because we've seen too much and we've heard too much. We've seen marriages healed. We've seen marriages on the brink of disaster be completely restored. We've seen people mired in addiction free. We've seen people with anger issues now just able to have stuff roll off their back. We've seen people in depression have a joy, an unspeakable joy, a peace that surpasses all comprehension. We've seen people with financial problems. I mean, listen, we take those flaps and we fill out those prayer requests. I probably got a thousand of them on my computer of just God coming through again and again and again and again. I'm ruined. We've seen too much. And so Peter says this. We can't stop talking about it. And so they threaten them. 
You know, and they send them off and they go and they tell all their friends what happened, you know, just like you or I would. And then, and then Caiaphas, you know, oh man, I hate that guy. You know, he's like the whole thing, you know, kind of talking about the whole story. And they go up and they decide to pray. Now watch this, because I think this is going to help us this week. He says, Lord, now consider their threats and wipe them off the face of the earth. <laughs> That's not what they pray. I put some up here just for fun. Consider their threats and help me get that raise. Oh, or get at raise. Well, let's move on to the next one since that's a typo. Help me vote for the right person, right? You know, let's make it easier for us. Help me get a job or wife or reliable car or reliable wife and car and job or whatever your prayer request is. I don't know. Help me lose 10 pounds. They don't pray for any of this stuff. They don't pray for their aunt's sick cat or anything like that. This is what they pray for. Okay? Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Help us. We can't stop talking about us. Help us do it boldly. Help, help us to be able to name the name of Jesus wherever we go. Now, I don't know what your prayer life looked like last week or whatever, but what if, what if as a church, this became just a ritual of prayer for us? God, help us to be able to speak your word with boldness. Now, does God answer these types of prayers? I mean, if God's going to answer any one of my prayers this week, and I was a betting man, I'd bet you two months tithe, I'm kidding, okay, that he's going to answer that. And here's the thing. I've seen him answer it over and over and over and over again. Oh, I'll say, God, give me an opportunity. God, help me, help me to talk to this person. God, give me an in, a way to, to be able to talk to this person. When Lisa and I were doing that Bible study, it was just phenomenal to see all the ways we'd be like, Lord, I don't know. Uh, you know, our neighbor across the street was like, you know, I think we want to go to church. Can you help us find a church? I mean, it was just kind of weird. We were able to have these conversations. Now watch what God does. It's so cool. Two verses later, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Isn't that cool? And what did they do when you were filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you like shake? Do you like like speak in tongues? Do you like start running around? Do you like what is that? What does that look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because so, some of us, if we're like new to the faith, we're like I don't like, I don't know if I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you know what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It means to get it. It's, it means to have the fruit of the Spirit manifest itself in your life. Love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's an excitement. Jesus calls it a joy that, um, uh, that your joy would be full. That, that's what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes it manifests itself in some stuff we'd call weird. But hey, you know, there's a big God. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know what they did? It says it right here. They spoke the word of God boldly. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Now, oftentimes I find in my life, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but I'm not that ready to speak the word of God boldly. And so maybe that stops me from being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And so as, as David comes up, here's what I want us to look at. Each one of us in this thing, and anyone who's listening online, you have been placed in a certain spot. God has placed you in a job, in a neighborhood, in a family. God has placed you somewhere. Strategically. God's placed you in places that I can never go. God's placed me in places you can't go. Us as the church, as the body of Christ who raise this banner of Jesus every Sunday morning as we gather together. This is what we do. We've seen too much. We've heard too much. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, man, I I don't want to be like your first example. What do I do to stop that? You pray. God, give me the strength to speak your word with boldness, to be able to do it articulately. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let it flow out of me so that it's natural, so that it's not something where I have to check off a thing. When, when's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? You know, and you're like, uh, that, that doesn't even work. It's a transformed life of uneducated, untrained, or whatever you want to call it, people who'd been with Jesus that would just make a difference around them. But at some point, you are going to have to name the name of Jesus. It can't just be a relationship with God or turn your life around or all these other things. At some point, it is. Jesus Christ died for your sins. And you can be forgiven of them. If you go before him and say, I'm at your mercy. And just to pray a simple prayer to say, God, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for pouring out your blood to pay for my sin, to pay my debt. To begin a relationship with my heavenly father. Jesus, I I give you my life, every last bit of it. God, I want to see more and hear more. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be over, I want to overcome. By your stripes, I'm healed. And I accept that. I thank you for that forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen. That prayer is it. 